You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been clear for takeoff. Welcome to the Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I am Tim Capper. You can find me on Twitter at Repact. That's R-E-P-P-A-C-T. And I'm Cliffy D. You can find me on Twitter as well, but you can find me at Cliffy D. And the Alouette's Flight Deck podcast is presented by our good friends over at Sportbuff, where right now, if you use the promo code FLIGHTDECK-10, you will save 10% off your entire order. Head on over to www.sportbuffshop.com. For all of your merchandising needs. And you can also find us on social media. You can find us on Twitter also at Alouette's FL Deck. Instagram, uh, Alouette's Flight Deck. Facebook, Alouette's Flight Deck Pod. You can find our merchandise over at teespring.com slash stores slash Al's Flight Deck. And on YouTube, you can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash Alouette's Flight Deck. Uh, as a reminder, we are going to be making the draw for that jacket before the end of our this the, the 2022 broadcast season. Should be doing it in the next couple of weeks. We're hope, hoping to do it on a uh, on a YouTube live. Uh, just trying to set everything up and get everything set up for it. But that will be coming very very soon. Um, also, we will be having the draw coming up for the next home game that is going to be versus the Hamilton Tiger Cats. That will be on the twenty third, so stay tuned for uh, the uh, for the link to uh, enter the draw. It will be available before the end of the week, and it will be running through uh, next Monday. So stay tuned for that, for you can win a, a pair of tickets of the Sport Buff Flight Crew seats, and uh, you get to watch the Owls play versus the Hamilton Tiger Cats, and what could be a very very important game. When it comes to the Alouettes trying to uh, hold on to their uh, second place in the East and potentially shooting for that number one spot. Right, Cliff? Could be. I mean, let's face it, folks. The CFL East this year is, well, let's let's face it. There's a reason why we keep calling it the CFL East because it has not been pretty. And it looks like Toronto at least is finding its form and uh, getting their act together. So more than likely, they'll be in a playoff position when it's all said and done. Mm -hmm. And as it stands right now, Montreal is in a playoff position, believe it or not. But you got to keep winning. You got to make sure that you're either in first or second place this year because, uh, I mean, we're we're now getting to that crunch time. We're we're getting to that point where playoff scenarios are starting to form. And there's a couple of teams that could easily cross over from the west to to the east and face more than likely the Alouette. So. The Owls got to keep on winning it because, let's face it, I think it's really truly going to be first place, second place in the East. We'll have playoff spots, and third and fourth in the East are just going to be on the outside looking in. Exactly. By the way, I didn't tell you about this. This is a total surprise. Yes, it would be better on video, but speaking of crunch time, Cliff, I happen to pick up the, uh, the, the hottest thing on the internet so far. The Ruffles Kentucky Fried Chicken Original Recipe Chicken Chips. Where'd you find them? I've been looking all over for those. Oh, really? I actually found them in, um, uh, where was I? Where where did, where the hell did I get gas on the way home today? <laughs> Hold on. I got the thing in my, it's funny. I know what it is. It is in uh, Limoges. I picked them up at a, uh, at a Circle K in Limoges, Ontario. And they had the big, uh-huh. the, the big bags. And I was like, oh, do they have a small bag? I don't want to buy the whole thing just in case I hate them. So... I found them in here. Shades of the uh, of the days of bad monkey popcorn, eh? Oh gosh! Oh wow! <laughs> That's going away. That's a deep dive. That right is there, a very folks. deep dive. By the way, check in our archive over at alowitzflightdick.ca, uh, where you can actually listen to those episodes. One of our very first sponsors, actually. Um, Absolutely. Uh, wow. Popcorn sponsors and uh, doing it on a podcast. It was it was an interesting time, folks. I guess you had to be there. I guess but, you had to I mean, be there. Definitely go check out the archives if you're really interested in listening to a couple of middle-aged guys eating popcorn. I mean, it's... <laughs> hey, I wasn't middle-aged back then. Oh, uh, you... Well, yes, you were. No, I wasn't. Well, okay. So we're talking... So we're talking uh, it's seven years. No, I wasn't. Okay, okay. Settle down, the ground. 
<laughs> so yes, we know how hard it is to do this, and uh, it smells pretty good. So I know Cliff. I, I said this is totally off the cuff. So hold on a second here. <laughs> oh my God, Cliff! <laughs> they, is that oh my God good or oh my God? It tastes terrible. like a chicken fried chicken. <laughs> oh boy, that's crazy! <laughs> wow, I you know what? The funny thing about chicken skin is so good, and I know it's so bad for you, but I really don't care. This is more to leaven herbs and spices, though. This is really, there's not really a chicken flavor because we've had, we've had, I think Lay's made a chicken flavor, if I'm not mistaken, or correct me if I'm wrong. Either Lay's or. Uh, well, Old, du- old Dutch. Old makes, Dutch, uh, yes. Old, yeah, I was about to say that was the other one, too. Yeah. Like, uh, those are pretty decent, though, from what yeah. I recall. If there anything like those, then. Okay, the, this fine. is actually, this is actually wow. It's been a while since I've had Kentucky Fried or Pulley Free Kentucky, as they call it here in Quebec. Mm. Those are pretty good. I'll think, I, you know, if I were, I should have gotten you a bag. My bad such a bad co-host so oh, well. thumbs up thumbs up there we go um right. there you go folks there's there, there's your food review <laughs> there you go and so we tried something a little bit different before we get to the game obviously the alouettes dominated this past week it wasn't a perfect game no matter what it says on the scoreboard um but cliff and i did something different we you know it kind of it kind of it was funny. We were. I was watching. I think Cliff was there with me, and we were. We were watching this past week's episode, literally this past week's episode of um, of the Thrift District podcast. Um, shout out to the guys and gals over there. And they talked about they're having an AMA, and they talk. You know, it, it was a lot about things that they love the most, things that they bought the most. Uh, you know, that really mean the most to them. And it, it really came down to because I think I think it was Kayla, Commissioner Kayla, who went on a rant. But it made a lot of sense. They're talking about it's really all about the C. You know, if you were to explain it to somebody who's never been to to a CFL game before, how would you explain to them? And it really just came down to what is the CFL family to try different things in about the CFL family. So Cliff and I tried something different. I mean, we've been in, in our seats for twenty. I think it's up around twenty years because we we originally had our seats in Z one section Z one before the expansion and, and whatever. And we had the option because the Alouettes gave all their season ticket members this past month, you know, um, free tickets based off of how many seats you had. And then I said to Cliff, I said, let's try something new. You know, both of us are not really that much to the fans of, of sitting on the south side overlooking the, uh, is that the, sorry, the north side, the north side overlooking the city. Let's try these, the, the new upper deck. So Cliff and I actually, I booked the seats and we actually sat in section uh, X2. Which, by the way, if you happen to get them as season tickets, they would be more expensive than what Cliff and I are currently paying for our, our seats over in Y1. And all in all, Cliff, people saw what we saw, you know, what we posted on social media, et cetera. I was pretty impressed. First time I've actually been in the set, had seats in the upper deck. And I was actually pretty impressed. I was actually pretty impressed. It kind of, the kind of vibe that it gave me, dude, was um, watching a game on TV. That kind of angle. That's what it kind of reminded that. me of, or or Mad, not really Madden, because that's usually sitting from the end zones. Yeah, but I, that's the kind of vibe that it gave me, and I was actually pretty impressed with our seats for the game. Um, wh- what was your take from these seats? It was kind of interesting. I mean, uh, again, I, I I freely admit I do really enjoy our seats because we've got not just. A fairly decent view, all things considered, mm-hmm. but uh, it's just a great vibe, great atmosphere. Like we're, we're we're thankful to be surrounded by some pretty knowledgeable football people, yes, and just people that are there to enjoy the game and be a part of the experience. I mean, nobody's sitting on their hands, nobody's you know really only there because someone gave them tickets, kind of thing. Like it's right. not that vibe at all. Like right. like we're that that section Y one is, I'd say, what you'd expect of a a CFL football crowd or what mm-hmm. you should be expecting a CFL football crowd. Agreed. 100%. That being said, that being said, it was interesting to go up and see how, how it was on the other side or, or up in the next level, I should say. <clears throat> it was uh, like, as you said, we had a really good view of the field. We had a really good view of everything around us. Uh, I mean, it was, it was interesting. I mean, I, I've joked because I've sat in numerous sections uh, over the years and kind of got a different feel of everything. I, I always say there's not really a bad seat in the house. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily want to sit in the end zone on, in the first row. Yeah, yeah. Like that, I wouldn't be too crazy about, to tell you the truth. I don't think I'd, you'd really get a chance to see a whole lot from that perspective, but when you're talking about the actual, like, actual either north or south side of the stands, I mean, really, truly, there's not a bad seat to be had. That being said, uh, it was interesting uh, kind of 
taking the game from that perspective. And uh, we were surrounded by some pretty decent people. Mind you, though, <laughs> I had to laugh. And I even tweeted about it was these guys next that were sitting next to us in French. Like at one point they were comparing Trevor Harris to Josh Allen, quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> and I'm sorry to say, like, I, I don't want this to turn into another session where we bag on Trevor Harris because it's not about that. It really, truly no. isn't. Yeah. But I'm sorry. Josh Allen is a unbelievably he's he's like a next level quarterback and he is going to be a superstar in the nfl for years to come trevor harris to call him a superstar is very 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 generous i mean he's he's not josh allen let's put it that way i'll just i'm just gonna leave it at that he's not josh allen and the, uh, other than the fact that both guys are as white as the driven snow i don't i don't know where else you can draw comparisons to trevor from trevor harris to josh allen i i just I would love to see what they're seeing because based on how Trevor Harris played has played all year and how he played against the BC Lions, I don't think anyone with like a sound mind and body would be able to compare Trevor Harris to Josh Allen. And I'm not saying it again, I'm not saying it as a dig to Trevor Harris, but he's not Josh Allen. Let's just, we'll, we'll just leave it at that. He's yeah. not even close to Josh Allen. <laughs> And and it was I was you know for first time for me up there too as I said it's uh we were technically first row, but we were row mm-hmm. four because we were sitting which is which was you know well overdue before they actually built these it was uh, handicap accessible seats, so it was you know still we still had a great view and I joked on social media that uh, we found uh, we we found out where all the uh, uh, all the horns had had been born all those air horns had been born because. Yeah, there were quite <laughs> they were it, there were quite a few of them around us, and it, it didn't. You know, it was funny. It bothered me for a little bit, then I, I just tuned it out. So I don't know what all you people on TV are, are complaining about. Yeah, and it sounds like TSN is back to trolling people because I was still, still seeing quite a few complaints about the horns. Oh, really? So, Come on. Yeah, and supposedly the last game they did actually move the the microphones, and uh, I think it was Chris Edwards, one of the producers on TSN, had said that the it was, it was so funny, though, because he was trying to lay blame on that one particular fan that everybody knows about mm-hmm. with the horns. Mm-hmm. He's trying to like lay blame. Like, we're trying to get away from that guy, but he's because he's going to keep doing it no matter what. I'm like, well, yeah. So, he, God forbid, you know, so, uh, a season ticket holder and fan of the team should try to encourage his team. You yeah. can move your microphone. Like, asking asking him to stop or asking him to change his seats or anything like that just to make your broadcast a little bit better. That, that's a little ghost that, as that, far as I'm concerned. Yeah, but also his reasoning doesn't really hold water at all because the next game after the whole complaint thing, they brought cowbells. So you can't say that you're trying to stay away from them. But you know what I mean? They brought yeah. cowbells that next game, and yes, then they brought the horns back, but still. Yeah, and then like, and then TSN goes back to their old tricks. They put the mics back. It seems like they put the sounded like they put the mics back or at least a little bit closer or maybe a little further away. Who knows? But again, the horns are apparently still prevalent. Despite the fact there was less fans in uh, the last game, but mm-hmm. you know, like uh, it, any, I guess any reason to complain, and I still think TSN is just doing it to troll everybody. Like you know, they're yeah. just like you know what, we're doing this. You don't like it too, too freaking bad. Yeah, but um, location to everything, you know, bio. If anybody has a chance to to, to choose a particular section, I would say choose uh, choose X two. Um, you know, differences that I, I, I pointed out, uh, the cliff and I may have mentioned, I don't know, I didn't mention on social, but, um, I did, uh, you know, it's the pluses are that the, uh, the, the speakers are not directly in our face as they are when we're sitting down in our normal section in Y1, mm-hmm. uh, they were actually behind us. So, and we were sitting as at row four, they were at the top. I mean, maybe it would have been the same for people who sit at the top. I don't know, but I, it was kind of nice to have a normal, a, a normal sound when it came to the speakers. Nothing was blaring too much. You know, when they were playing there, the whatever they were going to play for, uh, for for second down or for third down, you know, the, the noise really wasn't that bad. So that that's one right. of the few pluses. I mean, that's what you know. That's my only minor gripe when it comes to us sitting down below, because as you said, mm-hmm. there are a lot of people who are really know their football. So. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'd sit there again. I sit there again. Yeah, no, it it was interesting. It was a, a fun experiment to see how how it is watching the game from another perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, would I want to sit there permanently? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it's price it wise. I have to but, check again. Again, remember they're more expensive tickets than what we're currently paying. 
Right. And then also to like, how much of a trade-off do we want? Uh, and also to the fact that, uh, because it's, uh, we're underneath the overhang, exactly. we're protected from the elements. Whereas mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. would be, like, if skies decided to open up, we'd mm-hmm. be getting the full force of it. So, you know, which we've done too. We, we've done it. Remember Thanksgiving, how many ever many years ago we did it, we did it in the rain. We still loved it, but still, oh, we still had a blast for yeah. sure. But, uh, you know, I guess really that's what it comes down to is like when it comes to like the season's ticket, there's pros and cons to everything. So, I mean, all you can really do, folks, is try stuff out, see if it works. If you find you like it, great. If you don't, then you, you know, it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. So, yeah. but still, all, 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 all this to say, like, it doesn't hurt to keep an open mind, mm-hmm. try out different things, mm-hmm. see things from another perspective. And, you know, so you just may end up finding stuff that you like and uh, finding something you wouldn't have considered otherwise. Exactly. And then our, our next thing is to try to find a decently priced the VIP seats over on our side, mm. which, we, which we've never done. To actually sit in an actual seat. Oh, and I, I got stuff to talk about. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about it after we do the preview, after we do the, right. the, the review. But there, yeah, uh, interesting information. As I said, I'll just say uh, uh, Brian Waitman, great guy to talk to. Anyways, we'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, thirty-one ten. The Alouettes beat the uh, BC Lions. Um, just over fifteen thousand five hundred. It was a slight increase from the uh, from the week before. Um, I'm gonna let you start with this one, Cliff. I know I usually start, but uh, g- give me your give me your thoughts on this. I mean, it was a basically a thirteen. Owls dominated the first half. I mean, they had they had to, held the ball for more than twenty one minutes in the first half. BC had only a nine minutes. Nine minutes uh, at the at the end of half, uh, at end of the first half. But uh, give me your give me your thought. What what your thoughts were on on this game? Well, this this was uh, quite the interesting match considering uh, uh, we had a familiar friend return to us. Uh, well, technically two familiar friends return mm-hmm. to us. Uh, mm-hmm. Form of uh, starting quarterback Antonio Pipkin, and believe it or not, his backup, one Vernon Adams Jr. I don't know. I, I was expecting uh, VA to come in and just maybe have a little bit of revenge on his mind. Maybe want to show up uh, this organization and say, "Hey, you didn't believe in me. Now I'm going to show you." But perhaps that might have been a little much to expect from someone who's only had a, a handful of practices with his new team. But yeah, Trevor uh, Antonio Pipkin, he came into this game, and I'm sure he was motivated too. And I think he really wanted to prove that he belonged. I mean, this is Nathan Rourke's team, or was Nathan Rourke's team, but. Now it's Antonio Pipkin's team, or it was. I, I don't know if the pressure was just too much, but he just uh, did not look great out there. Uh, I mean, Pipkin managed uh, 13 to 24 passes, uh, got picked off, uh, no, didn't score any TDs. I mean, like he didn't throw for any TDs, I should say. He did actually run for one. Uh, but the name of this game was defense for the Alouettes. I mean, this defense just rattled the BC Lions and just mm-hmm. kept punching them in the mouth mm-hmm. over over and over i mean there's just va's first play in the game sack yep and then uh his one of his next plays uh the pass he threw i think was to Keon hatcher uh end up uh who ended up fumbling the ball the alouettes recovered on that one mm-hmm. uh, i mean the alouette like this defense really truly came alive they really made plays happen i mean i was expecting this game to be a lot closer but i, I think the alouettes just woke up and chose violence that Friday and just they just feasted on the Lions, which was something to see. Like I was really expecting this match to be a lot more competitive, and it just wasn't. I, I just uh, I, I I was just blown away just how well this defense really came together and just dominated. Like the the first half of like truly was this defense just punching the BC Lions in the mouth mm-hmm. over and mm-hmm. over and. You know, the second half, I think they I felt like the you know the Alouettes kind of took the half off. I mean, that third quarter was just abysmal by football standards. Yeah, I mean, it, it for was both teams, atro- really atrocious, atrocious. Yeah. Well, time yeah. of possession wise, no, it was good for BC, but it was just atrocious for the Alouettes. Yeah, I mean, like in that sense, BC dominated as far as time of possession goes, and I think the Alouettes had five offensive plays. <laughs> yeah, yeah, including Trevor Harris throwing a pick and for one of them. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, the Yellows did what they had to do. They 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 matched. Aside from that third quarter, they they pretty much won the points battle. They won the turnover battle quite handily. I, I mean, they they played as complete a game as you could hope to to play, especially too as games now are starting to mean more and more as we approach the playoffs. 
this was a game that the Alouettes absolutely had to win, and I don't think a lot of people expected to win. I think the uh, of this uh, four-game homestand, I think a lot of the fans were expecting this to be the game that the Alouettes were going to lose. Because if we said, if they can take three of four on this homestand, they'll be sitting really pretty. And unfortunately, they did not win against the Red Blacks two weeks ago. But, you know, we, and we expected that. We expected the Alouettes to win that game and lose to the BC Lions. But lo and behold, it was the other way around. And it was incredible. It was incredible to watch. It was great to see this team really come together. Uh, still, despite all of that, I mean, there's good, there's bad, there's... There's a lot to take in, so let's uh, let's 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 start breaking some of this down for sure. Uh, Trevor Harris, he was sixteen to twenty three, one sixty three, one and one. Um, we talk, you know, we we keep talking about our quarterbacks being good. You know, at one point it was good VA, bad VA, and it, this year it has been a good Trevor, bad Trevor. I think it's it's been too to me. Even though we got the win, it, it was another bad Trevor. It wasn't a again. The third quarter was a joke. You know, everything was done in the in really in the first half. We also had that, pick, you know, we help with the defense with that pick six beautiful by by newcomer, obviously by one of our newcomers pick six. Um, the running game was the running game did very well. I was actually very impressed because that's something that we've been worried about the last couple of weeks is is this. Running game, you know, Fletcher. I mean, Fort. When was the last time? Was this? Was it? Um, stand back. The last time that we had fourteen carries in a game, in a single game. Uh, I'm trying to remember back earlier in the season. I don't remember if we've had this many, but still led the team with seventy nine yards. Even Jeshwin Antwi, he he ran off a you know a thirty one yard scamper. On, but yet he had only ten yards after that. But still seven carries, forty forty one yards. You know. Yeah. I can't that no, I cannot good. complain about at no, all. And it's what it's one of those things we keep talking about. If you can't connect with your receivers for whatever reason, then you gotta rely on the ground game. And listen, Walter Fletcher and Jeshwin Anhui are two very capable running backs. They've proven it game after game after game is that you give them the opportunity, you create holes for them, they will definitely make the most of it. Like Fletcher, a couple of his runs were just outstanding. Mm-hmm. Like he had what thirteen yard strike that was just, mm-hmm. just a thing of beauty. Like I just kept it was the idea to just keep ramming the ball down their throat, and that's exactly what the Alouettes did. They just, they went back to that statement drive versus the Ottawa Red Blacks earlier in the first half. It looks like they right. they they mixed up the play calling, which is nice. You know, even though again at at that point the Alouettes were they were up twenty one twenty one three at halftime. Mm-hmm. So no, and and you had to you had to show them different looks. You had especially to when you consider the fact that Vernon Adams is on the beast lines and you knew he was going to be letting guys know, like, you know, if, if he wasn't behind center, you, you know, he was letting them know, Hey, watch out for this guy. Watch out for this. Watch out for that. You knew he was going to, he was going to spill the tea as they say mm-hmm. on, on the alphabet. And obviously the only way you're going to counter something like that is show them different stuff, show them stuff that they've never seen before that, that Vernon had perhaps never seen before, which kind of hard to fathom, really, but uh, I mean, you had to do something different. That's for sure. You couldn't approach this game like you couldn't like you approach it any other game. Like you had to show different looks. You had to really make life miserable for Antonio Pipkin, and that's exactly what they did. And this this defense really showed him a lot of different looks. And offensively, I mean, yes, they put points on the board. There's no question about that. But uh, I, I mean, it was just simple stuff, really. I mean, nothing outstanding. Like there was no holy cow plays. Really, when I think about it, offensively, like. Again, like when I think about the highlights of this game, like it truly is the defense that that really shined against the BC Lions last Friday. There was like there, there was almost a uh, one of those talked about plays um, in the first half. We oh, yeah. should the, the Owls could have had more points, except for uh, you know that damn quarterback Eugene Lewis. Um, <laughs> oh, that that guy needs a talking to something. How how the mighty have fallen? I mean. We're talking about a time where Gino Lewis, whenever he would throw a pass, it would either be for a touchdown or completion. Like he had uh, over a hundred quarterback rating this year. He is zero for two and got picked off. I mean, <gasps> yeah, it was, it was a Gino. pass he shouldn't have thrown. We 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 spoke to Gino after the game. He, he even said, "I think some they were razzing him." I think Joey Alfieri was was talking to him afterwards, and he he was razzing him about his his quarterback rating. And even Gino was like, "I can't, damn it, man! I just wanted to be perfect." It's like he even he knew that after he got turned around, that pass should not have been thrown. 
Yeah, like it was a, a great reverse, a great little bit of trickeration. Mm-hmm. And again, if you can pull it off, it's magic. And then, yeah, you're going to definitely make the highlight reels. Unfortunately, though, yeah, yeah, it just didn't quite work the way that he hoped it would. And yeah, ended up getting picked off. Uh, and then the defender actually fumbled the ball. And, mm-hmm. you know, eventually BC recovered. It ended up being deep enough in uh, Alouette's territory or in Lions territory. But, uh, man, it was just one of those things that, yeah, you know what? Like, I get what you're trying to do. And I, you know, if you catch him napping, that's great. But sometimes you just, if the play's not there, don't force it. Just throw it away. And I'm yeah. sure Trevor Harris would have said the same thing to him. It's like, dude, it's not there. Just throw it away. Just yeah. throw it away. Yep, exactly. Uh, but, uh, you know, but again, too, it, it just, I, I, everything really stood out was that third quarter. It was just so brutal. I mean, this is the, and we thought, if this, it's very possible this had been any other team, but the, 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 the Alouette, this outcome may have been not what it was because, Five plays? Five? And then this is where BC got back into the game. I mean, I think BC held the ball for, I think we had the ball for two minutes, I think, that quarter. I'd have to look it up. I think we had the ball for exact for, for two minutes. It, it was something uh, It was something ridiculous. And it was also where Trevor threw his pick, too. Yeah. So that, it didn't help the cause any. I mean, like like I said, we're, we're not here to bag on the guy, but at the same time, like, you want to, you're showing, like, this team was so dominant in the first quarter, the first half of the game, and it just felt like, they were coasting mm-hmm. through that third quarter, mm-hmm. you know, like just letting BC hang around. And again, even without Nathan Rourke, like this is still not the team to let hang around. And they should be very thankful that guys like Brian Burnham, Dominic Grimes, Lucky Whitehead. Uh, I mean, they played an okay game, but still couldn't quite get things going. So that, you yeah. know, like the fact that LS defense was able to keep those guys honest throughout the game was nothing short of impressive. Yeah. I mean, uh, four minutes and 32 seconds. Yeah in the third quarter. So, um, but again, it really was the defense, dude. I mean, we have to talk about our two new guys that we acquired played a huge part, a huge part in in what the defense did versus BC, right? Oh, 100%. And don't forget, like we were excited. Like, and it's so funny, like the, the day of the VA trade also was when we acquired these two gentlemen. We're talking about uh, Thomas Costigan and the feast lion. And again, that trade just kind of got, I want say swept under the rug, but it certainly was kind of put to the back burner because, of course, everybody was talking about the fact that VA got traded. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, when you when you trade a superstar like that, that's going to dominate the headlines. And then it was kind of, it was, this trade was kind of thrown in like, oh, and by the way, we got these two guys too. And like, okay, like any other day, this would have been really exciting news to be able to acquire these guys. And oh my, they come as as expected. Thomas Costigan was just absolutely outstanding like he really he made his presence felt uh played a what i felt was an outstanding game but nafis lion oh my gosh mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean a pick six in your first game as a montreal alouette like you want to make an impression you want to get people talking about you that's how you do it but let's talk about the throw that pipkin made uh, if i didn't know better did, did someone hypnotize Pipkin to thinking he was still Montreal Alouette and that's he was just completing a pass to a receiver? Because <laughs> that's what it looked like. Like I, I looked at the throw, like I looked at pick six a couple of times, and like who the hell was Pipkin throwing to? <laughs> like and the feast lion's just like oh, oh oh okay I'll catch this and and he sure did enough, he, he picked the thing he he picked it up off the ground. Oh yeah, what like a house call like right off the hop like again. How you doing? Welcome to Montreal. And then his little line. spin, yeah, his little spin to to get around the other defender before well, that was Pipkin, I think, before they get into the end zone. Butte, Butte. I mean, that was, that was Chef's kiss. Mm-hmm. Just the perfect way to end it. Like just outstanding. And it's so funny too because <laughs> it was after a, another. I think there was two straight two and outs in the fourth quarter, and like I said, Harris was just not doing anything of note. Like it was just like nothing doing. And I, I even said to you like. Okay, it's pretty clear the defense is going to have to get uh, a pick six here because we're not scoring on offense anymore. I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> yep. And wouldn't you know it, <laughs> Nuster dumbass over here just basically called called it for you. He did. Yeah, you did. You did. You you really did. And, and we're not talking by one or two plays here, folks. We're literally talking. Cliff says it. It happens the next play, just as Cliff finishes saying it. Spoken to existence, I guess. <laughs> Because again, like just after such an abysmal third quarter, and again with the fact that with Trevor Harris two straight two and outs, 
like it just felt like okay well the offense is taking the rest of the night off all right mm-hmm. fine whatever i mean one one could make the assumption okay you're you're up by uh was it uh 20 21 points at that or no uh not even 21 points uh like 18 points at, at that point like mm-hmm. you're you're comfortably in the lead and it's always worrisome because the last thing you want to do is start coasting and just resting on your laurels. And I really felt like the Alouettes offense was doing that throughout the third quarter and into the fourth as well. But then, okay, if the defense can score a couple points, just the, you know, just that little insurance marker, if you will, that little extra cushion to say, okay, we've got this game. And that's exactly what Nafis lines pick six was, was just that, that icing on the cake to say that, okay, yeah, we got this game. This is our W. That's it. That's all. Mm-hmm. So props to the feast lion. Holy cow. Welcome to Montreal. What a play. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, we're talking about the good and the bad. I mean, <sighs> let's not, let's not forget too. uh, our, 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 our guy, Thomas Costigan forced fumble, yep. fumble recovery. Yeah. I mean, listen, I mean, like, like I said, these two guys came from Edmonton. And contribute to be able to contribute right away. Like we were excited about this trade already before these guys even suited up. And then this is what you do for your debut. Hello, this is just outstanding. Like, like say what you will about Danny Machocha and some of the decisions he's made this year, personnel-wise. But to be able to land these two guys for basically a song, at, well, and Avery Ellis, like mm-hmm. okay, you know that that's that's not bad. That's not bad at all. Yep. Yep. No, I know. I know. And this secondary too is has really they've had their highlights and their lowlights. Let's let's just put it that way. But with uh, Nafis Lyon and Raheem Wilson out there balling, straight up balling like that, I think things will be okay. I, I think this uh, secondary, like you know, I've said they really got to get their act together. And I think with these two guys as a part of it, and uh, if we get Najee Murray back in the lineup, get him back in healthy. Uh, Mike Jones, of course, is just uh, still a very dominant corner. Uh, mm-hmm. Still making lots of plays happen. And then it's just MAD. Like it, when he's on, he's on. And it's kind of funny. Actually, at one point he kind of hobbled off the field because the turf oh, monster. Oh, that was a scary thing, dude. Oh, and I'm sitting there like, Oh God, like, no, like, <laughs> because he was down. Yeah. It looked like it, something caught him when, it, when he was trying to, he was trying to defend a, a pass into the end zone. Well, yeah, I think he broke up a, pl- a pass. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. But, but still it's, it didn't look good. Because both you and I said something immediately to each other, yeah. but sure, he just walked off. And post game, when we saw him, when we saw him on the field afterwards. He seemed fine, at least yeah, you know at that moment. So, yeah, and I haven't heard anything otherwise as far as uh, like health wise goes. I guess we'll see what happens uh, when they go back to practice next week. But uh, may have just been a twitch, may have just been a like a Charlie horse or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, like just the way he kind of you know almost uh, you know just the way it hit him anyways like just it looked a lot worse than what it was thankfully and at least for that at least it was just a scary moment but in the end all is well at least yeah. it seems that way yeah. by the way this is really it's off topic a little bit just a little bit of breaking news vernon adams has been named the starting quarterback for the bc lions versus the calgary stampeders this week yeah and again we we knew we were going to see him against his his old team i mean there was there's no question about that and it wasn't a matter of well, Pipkin sucks. So let's get rid of him, kind of thing. Like it, it really wasn't it's like about deja that. vu. Though we mentioned it last week, it's like deja vu for Pipkin. <sighs> yeah, uh, he had to been wondering. Oh no, <laughs> what the hell, man? But, but you know what? It's so funny because Vernon Adams went through this in 2018 with Johnny Manziel. Yep. When both were members of the Hamilton Tiger Hats, and then both became members of the Montreal Alouettes, it was that deja vu feeling for Vernon. So. I, I, I'm sure Vernon had to know that deep down too, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't about that. But and we didn't didn't end up seeing very much of Vernon uh, last Friday. I mean, he he went in for a zero, uh, I think one or two series, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and it was it was pretty much the uh, Antonio Pippen show, which hey, great. I mean, that's that's the guy you you're going with, and I think it was just a matter of just trying to get a couple of reps for Vernon, just get kind of you know, let him feel things out a little bit. Yeah, and just, you know breaking the uniform, however you want to phrase it. But uh, no, uh, now uh, Vernon Adams now is going to get that chance that he deserves. And I have no doubt in my mind that, you know, with now a couple of full weeks of practice under his belt, he's going to go and he's going to be great. I know he's going to be great because we expect nothing less from Vernon Adams. And he'll be, and, he'll be returning to Calgary for the first time since week one. 
This is the second, second time he has started against Calgary in Calgary. Yeah, that's pretty wild when you think about it. <laughs> but that's the CFL for you, folks. I mean, like, you know, it's, yeah. it's just it's crazy like that. And it's you you wouldn't want it any other way. Exactly. Any other thing you want to take take away from this? From this game itself, um, obviously the guy, everybody, the guys who were hurt, we know we have a bye week this week. Um, we'll see them on, which we'll talk about a little bit later. We'll see them on Sunday at uh, uh, season ticket members' day um, at Personal Molson. But anything else you can take away from this game? I think what it can take away more than anything else is yes, this this was the kind of game that I know Montreal needed. Like we we talked about the fact that their last two wins were kind of just by the skin of their teeth kind of wins. Like, yeah, they got the W, but I mean, it could have just easily been a loss. It was so close and it was a hard, even though they were hard, hard fought games, like they just barely won. Like, mm-hmm. This one, if we say was a dominant win, I, 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 again, I still go back to the fact that Trevor Harris looked average at best. Uh, the offense looked okay. Not outstanding. Like it really did come down to, this was a defensive win for the Alouettes. Oh, yeah. I mean, for everybody, yeah. you know, bagging on Noel Thorpe and just how he's been coaching this team, uh, this defense. I, I think this team really stood up and stood out for him. And I think, you know, props have to be given. Like uh, we were able to talk to Noel after the mm-hmm. game and you could see the, I want to say the, the joy on his face, but I think a little bit of relief as well. Just like, okay, okay. This is what I came, this is what I came here for. This is what I was expecting. Out of, this is what I expect out of my guys each and every week. And they delivered. And if this defense can come alive like that every game, I mean, this this is a very dangerous football team. If you if you give them the opportunity to hang around, regardless of who the quarterback is, regardless of what Trevor Harris can or cannot do offensively, I mean, he did the things that he had to do. I mean, like he got the he got the ball downfield and he he got plays happening. Like he was able to hand off the ball to the running backs and get the ball downfield that way as well. I mean, he was doing the little things that you expect a quarterback to do in this league. But really, truly, this was the defense's game. Like this was their chance to shine and shine they did and. On all facets, too, like you talk about defensive line, linebackers, the secondary, everybody stood up and made plays happen. Whether it was uh, Mustafa Johnson, who got a safety. Mm, yeah. Also, too, his first game as a Montreal Alouette. Like, he, he made his presence felt. Uh, I mean, so many guys on defense really made plays happen. I mean, th- th- this was a game strictly – like, if, if you love defensive players, this was the game for you because th- this was their time to shine. And shine they did. And – I got to take my hat off to them. Like they really stood out in this game. Uh, we think about special teams too. Zach Lindley, my God, <laughs> this guy, the, the special teamer, like the the eighth round draft pick, the the boy nobody loves, so to speak. Like <laughs> he's come alive in the past few games, and he has just been a demon on special teams. Like I, I think he he blocked a punt attempt, so that it ended up going almost nowhere. Uh, he's been laying the wood out on people as well. I mean, he has been just a, like a little Tasmanian devil. He's just been a, a force on special teams. And by the way, I, I think here. I don't think that was a block punt. I think it was actually a, a it was shanked. I remember hearing Joey Alfieri making a comment about it on uh, the Owls this week. I could swear that's what I heard him say that it wasn't actually a block punt. Did the league consider it a block punt? That's what I'm trying to. I'm just asking. I'm not well, trying to take. Gonna- I'm not trying to take anything away from him. But I'm just trying to make- no, but again, he he truly made plays happen, though. Yeah. There there is no there is no question like this, and this is what you want from your special. Team. Like when you think about an eighth round draft pick, you're uh-huh. like, okay, like it doesn't mean this guy was a lousy player. It just meant that's where he was drafted, and he, you just never know, folks. Like this is where you find the diamonds in the rough. You talk about guys like yes. Luke Bredor Jardin, yes. DJ Lalama. These are guys that were also eighth round or like last, like the last round picks, like the Mister Irrelevance, if you will. And look what they do, like they end up having very solid careers. It's just a matter of you get the opportunity and you make the most of it. And that's exactly what Zach Lindley's doing. And my goodness, folks, like this, this is something to be excited about. You talk about like Tyson Philpot, who again, I still is say when it's all said and done is going to be the Eastern nominee for rookie of the year. Don't you dare sleep on Zach Lindley. Like when it comes to <laughs> not just special teams play, but like if this guy ever gets a chance to get on defense, I mean, he was fantastic. He's got Vanny Cup winning experience as well. He he was with the, the the Western Mustangs last year. That's true. Played outstanding football. So I mean, like this guy is built for this. And you okay, fine. Like most rookies, you're going to have to make your bones on the special teams aspect of the football game, and that's fine. But he's making the most of his opportunity, and he's really, really standing out. So props to him for that. Like to me, like 
these are the moves that you have to make. Like these are the plays that have to be made in order to help win football games as well. And Zach Lindley is just—he's making a case of his own for Rookie of the Year. But uh, my goodness, like what a find! What a find! <laughs> it's true, true. Um, again, yeah. If we can, uh, by the way, the it was BC who only had the ball for two minutes and twelve seconds in the second quarter. If the Alouettes can dominate like that consistently, then the, you know, as the defense is helping. Well, you know what I mean? Just click. Uh, we can just click. Yeah, and let's not forget Chandler Worthy too. Like no house calls again, but. He too had a couple of massive, massive returns mm-hmm. to really help put the Alouettes in in a great position. Right. Again, you talk about special teams; like it's not just uh, guys making outstanding plays defensively, but it's also guys like Chandler Worthy who get the rock and go for a run. <laughs> My goodness, like he, had, I think he had one or two fifty-yard returns. I mean, that's tremendous. Like yeah. that—that's the kind of thing you want. You want to give your quarterback as short a field as possible, and especially too, like when Trevor Harris. Is having those games where it's just not quite clicking like it should be, at least give them an opportunity to make stuff happen. Yes, and sir. Yeah. that's really what it was. Like Chandler Worthy really did an outstanding job again. Like, you know, would we want a house call? Would we want him to return a touchdown? Of course we would. There's no question about that. But I mean, if you at least put your team in position where you're cutting the field in half and giving your offense a chance to really make plays happen, mm-hmm. that's half the battle there. So, I mean, Chandler Worthy, like, Great to see you again. Like that's that's what we come to expect out of this guy. So, I think he's trying to do a lot because he's seen what what former Alouette returner Mario Alfred's been doing with Saskatchewan. Well, there you go. That's the benchmark. The fact that we felt confident enough in Chandler Worthy and Tyson Philpott as returners to be able to say, okay, Mario Alfred is expendable, and again, Saskatchewan is going to benefit oh so so much from that. Okay. <laughs> they have. I mean, that that's that's just it. I mean, talk about an embarrassment of riches to be able to have guys like that exactly. in our in our lineup. Yep. To the point where we can afford to give them away. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, I, I mean, that, that's, that, that just speaks to what the special teams is all about with this team. Like, yeah, like when it comes to the stars of the game, yeah, obviously this defense is going to shine brightly. Uh, but special teams, let's not forget, like this is uh, one of those areas of the over the years with the Alouettes has been kind of like a, shall I say, a work in progress. But this year, by and large, like special teams has looked outstanding this year, yep. all things considered. Yep. So yeah. we'll, let's for, not forget about that, folks. Like, you talk about like what you're. Except for a couple of bad games with the uh, penalties, no, no, uh, yeah, they've done well. Well, that's it. I mean, penalties has just been like the the story of the year for the Alouettes. Let's let's <laughs> let's call it what it is. But when this special teams unit is given a chance to make plays, like whether it's guys like just trucking other guys or guys, you know, getting kicked the ball to and returning it for touchdowns, I mean, like this this is a, a unit that has really truly shown over and over again that they they belong in the conversation so you know what like you can love or hate this defense for what it does offense too but i mean special teams by and large it, they're kind of the, they've been the unsung heroes this year for the Alouettes. so yeah kudos to them like that to me is what i'm going to take away more than anything else is yes this defense really did outstanding work but let's not sleep on the special teams either exactly just want to at least give a quick uh just quick notes uh reggie white jr led the team in uh in reception yards this week with 58 uh uh four receptions on five targets and uh second from there was gino uh three receptions on four targets for 42 yards and one tutty uh again they don't have a game this week um but there's still stuff to talk about because as i mentioned before we got to go onto the field afterwards. Uh, we got to talk to to, uh, to Brian Waitman prior to the game. Um, also, we don't know what the hell is going on, by the way, Cliff, because we haven't been able to get an answer yet. But what do you think about these these what seem to be teasers of some sort from Gino on his social media, especially on Instagram, where him with some background of some sort. I can only imagine what's going on. We don't know if it's if it's merchandise related, uh, alternate uniforms related, or anything else. But whatever's going on, I'm intrigued, and I want to see what it's about. Yeah, he's, he's got something cooking. And knowing Gino, it's going to be something outstanding. So, uh, folks, if you haven't had a chance to go over to his Instagram, it's NoGramGino, I believe it is. That's and, right. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like I said, he, he, there's, there's something going on there. And we're hopefully in time we'll find out what it is. Uh, but uh, it, you, you got to know when it comes to Eugene Lewis, you know, something's going to be, there's something doing there and it's going to be interesting for sure. So exactly. I know for sure I'm, I'm paying attention to it. I'm keeping tabs on it. So uh, hopefully we'll find out what it is. Uh, Cause yeah, like we, 
uh, as you said, we, we got on the field afterwards and we were able to speak with him a little bit and he would kind of be a little sly with us, yeah, you know, like, yeah. you know, like just, he just, all he said was stay tuned because when, when this happens, it's going to be amazing. So I'm like, okay, you, yeah. you've got our attention. So let's, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll find out sooner rather than later, but, uh, folks, uh, you, you got to know that this is going to be something really interesting and something that's definitely worth your time and attention. Exactly. Do you know what it is? Do you have some ideas of what it is? Well, let us know. You can email us. Uh, you can email us. Uh, email me specifically at tim.capper at alowitzflightdeck.ca or you can email Cliff over at clifford.pine at alowitzflightdeck.ca. Let us know what you think it might be. Uh, have any ideas of who we should have in the for future shows um, or just to give us some feedback. We'd love to hear from you. So uh, just email us and or uh, hit us up over on uh, social media. Okay. Yeah. Uh, mentioned that, as I said, this week, uh, the Alouettes are going to be having their season ticket holder day. Uh, they announced the full uh, schedule. Uh, it's going to be this Sunday, September 18th at 10.30. Originally, it was going to be earlier than that, but the Alouettes have made some slight modifications. But, hey, I don't care. Um so what they're going to be doing as of, it's going to be, as I said, at, over at Percival Molson from 10.15 a.m. to 2 p.m. Um, if you are a season ticket holder, you also were given two extra tickets to invite anybody you want to come and join you for that day because there are some pretty interesting things that are going to be happening. Uh, originally, the, the gates will be opening up at Percival Molson at 10.15. Uh, season ticket holders can pick up their uh, season ticket holder gift. I've said it before in weeks past, but I'm just going to keep it a secret now because uh, if you don't know what it is, it's a surprise. Uh, so from 10.15 to 11.30, you can pick those up. Uh, the team is only going to be practicing for an hour from 11.30 to 12.30. Be able to meet the players on the field after that cliff from 12.30 to 1. And this is brand new. That was announced today from 110 to 145. There's going to be a Q&A session with Mario Ticini and Danny Machocha. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's could be pretty interesting. And also they're going to be feeding us complimentary lunch. Uh, I think it's a dog and drink will be, prov- will be provided on site. So weather right now, cloudy, possibly with a chance of rain. Uh, I think it, throughout the, throughout the day, but, uh, Either way, it should be fun no matter what. You know, always fun when you get to have a chance to watch them practice or to get onto the field over at Personal Molson. Oh, absolutely. Again, this is an opportunity for season ticket holders to meet their players, uh, meet their, their their heroes, so to speak. Uh, always a, a fun atmosphere. I mean, the fact is that Personal Molson, too, is just excellent because I don't know how many fans would actually really truly want to make the trek out to the Big O. I can understand why, if you, especially if you don't live out that way, it's it's a bit of a schlep to get out there. Mm-hmm. So I can understand that. So, I mean, it, it definitely behooves the Alouettes. If they're going to have a special event like this for their season ticket holders, your best bet is to do it at Personal Molson Stadium. So kudos to them for having that foresight. And if you're providing a lunch as well and you get a chance to pick up your season ticket holder gift, even better. At least that way you know you've got it, and it's great. And being fed is always nice, too. And, yeah, folks, if you're a season ticket holder, by all means, this is your opportunity to go and see the players, see them do their thing. Uh, this Q&A session for, with uh, Mario Ciccini and Danny Machocha should be interesting, too, because, you know, fans, you know, they've got their opinions. They've got, they, they want qu- their, their questions answered. So Fans of sure their opinions? That- no. No. Really? Right. <laughs> Listen, you know, you know I, I know a lot of uh, season ticket holders have their opinions and they, they've got questions that they'd like to ask, have answered. So you know what? What better opportunity to do so than do it with your, your fellow season ticket holders? You know, if you've got questions, concerns, this is the time to do it. Air it out. Mm-hmm. If, if you're not happy with how things are being run with the team, talk to the president. If, you're, if you've got questions and concerns about how the, the on-field product is, Talk to the general manager. Let, let, let's hear what they have to say. I, I, I'm, I'm hoping to see fans come ask smart, intelligent questions. Uh, that may be asking a little too much, depending on some of the fans. But <laughs> well, I guess we'll see what happens. I, I, I'm, I'm curious to see how this Q&A is going to go. But it's a chance for you to see your team in action, see the guys uh, as they get ready. for. This is their last bye week that they're on. So yeah. it's pretty much your your. All systems go from now until hopefully late November for the Grey Cup in Regina. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is this is it. This is the first day of the rest of the season, as far as I'm concerned. Yep. So make sure you go 
show up, uh, show the guys the love, uh, go get your season ticket gift, uh, you know, and uh, taking a hopefully it will be a, a good day of practice. That's right. Uh, we were walking into the stadium, um, coming back into the stadium. We did, Cliff and I had to deal with something pregame. And it's, 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 it's as if he knew we were there. Or we didn't see him when we went to go do what we needed to do. We bumped into a senior director of sales and corporate partnerships, Brian Waitman. It's always fun and entertaining, and you learn so much information. And it's not necessarily – it's what the team is trying to do to improve. But talking to Brian Cliff, every single conversation I've had with him, I've learned something. It's It's information that Joe Fan may not necessarily know. But I know that he knows that usually we we have the the fans' ears and what what they think we think needs to be done or have questions and stuff like that, and he's usually able to provide some information to us, whether it's early in the early stages or not, but provide us with some information that we are what we usually pass on to the fans. Right. It's kind of a liaison. He's been sort of a liaison, if you will, as far as trying to understand certain aspects of how things are happening behind the scenes. Uh, you know, when it, whether it comes to the in-game experience or, uh, you know, any questions or concerns we have as season ticket holders and just how the, like, obviously has no control over the on-field product. But when it comes to, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff, the administrative stuff, uh, stuff that has to do with the actual team itself, uh, you know, he's, he shared a, a little bit of insight and uh, you know, shared with us some stuff that we probably had a feeling it was going to be like or maybe just had an inkling of to what it's going to be and then sort of was able to confirm or deny with us what it actually was. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it, you know, we definitely appreciate his insight on these things and the fact that he's willing to confide in us certain things, which when the time comes, if there's stuff that needs to be revealed, we can certainly reveal it and share it with the rest of you. Uh, some of the stuff though, is just like, okay, well, we've heard this. Can you confirm this yeah. or, or not? Yeah. And you know, if, if he's able to tell us he, he is, and if he doesn't know, then he doesn't know. And we'll say so too. Like, I, I never got the impression that he's trying to put one over on us or trying to keep stuff from us either. And that's a, a key as well, because how many times have people have said, oh, I know this. But, oh, I can't tell you. Like, piss off with that nonsense. Like, you know, if, if you don't know, then you don't know. That's fine. Just then say, I don't know. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, it, to, like, me, to, to me, as I mentioned I, to him before, is like, if something is, if you tell us something and it's off the record or it's in its early stages, you tell us that you tell us such and that's it. That's it. Yeah. Like, that's it. Like, and, and I appreciate that. I appreciate the fact that he's willing to say, you know what? I really can't speak to this or I don't know. There's, there's, there's a strength to that as well. Like if you don't know then you don't know, there's nothing wrong with that. Exactly. Just, but don't, don't say something or don't, and no double speak. And that's the thing I, I really can't stand. I get a lot of that too with the league and other teams and things like that. There's a lot of double speak, a lot of kind of wink, wink, nod, nod BS. And I, I have no time for that. Like just, Look, if you don't know, you don't know. Just say that. Just mm-hmm. say you don't know. There's nothing wrong with that. And don't try to, you know, get cutesy or any of this other nonsense. Like, I, I have no time for that whatsoever. So right. the fact that he's able to answer questions as honestly as, and as concisely as possible speaks volumes to him and also how this organization is run as well. Yeah, and and I think the, the one the things – and this the, by the way, this is not a, 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 uh, a brag much session you're what, Cliff, why we bring up – Brian at all and and not say anything about what, it, what he said but we can what things we can say is they're looking at um, some interesting modifications when it comes to uh, account managers um, it's in its early stages but we can mention that and they are actually actively looking at potentially some modifications to Percival Molson mm-hmm. Not with what we talked about a few weeks ago with with the potential changes to the uh, to the field uh, dimensions, but to something else, which would be very interesting. And I can say this with 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 one hundred percent certainty, Cliff, that if it comes to fruition, I can honestly say that I would be severely open, if necessary, to move my season tickets. That's all I'll say. <laughs> I'd be well, op- I'd be open to moving my my seats if it come if it does happen. Well, and this is what we talked about: is the fact that it's all about trying to improve the in game experience for the for the fans, for season ticket holders, yep. for anyone that's attending a game for the Alouettes. Anything that you can do to try and provide a much better game day atmosphere is something that has to be explored. And if it's something that you can implement right away, and 
make it happen. Even if it means, you know, it might cost you a few bucks to do so, or you're kind of taking a risk in other areas. I mean, listen, these are avenues that you have to be explored. And the worst thing you can do is nothing and or get complacent. I mean, you've got to be willing to take chances. You've got to be willing to say, you know what, I'm willing to try this. And if it works, great. If it doesn't work, then we go back to the old way. I mean, the idea that you're open to at least changing and evolving as uh, the needs for Alouettes fans need to be met over the next couple of years, I'm all for it. And the fact that this team is willing to make changes and listen to not just us, but other people as well, as far as to what they want in their in-game experience, the Alouettes, it behooves them to listen to that. And it would also behoove McGill, who owns Personal Molson Stadium, to be able to work with the Alouettes. Because let's face it, this is their primary tenant. And you've got to find a way to make it so that people are coming to Molson Stadium to watch football games. And it's on the Alouettes, but it's also on McGill as well because it's it's their building. They, they own the bricks and mortars of it. That's so they've, right. got to, they've got to be able to work with it. And let's face it, in the end, everybody wins when things get better. So I'm curious to see what changes, potential changes could be made, what improvements could be made to the game day experience, to the atmosphere at Molson Stadium. If it's all to benefit the fans and make for a much more exciting experience watching football there, believe me, I'm all for it. And I believe, I want to believe, too, that this organization is going to do whatever it takes to make things better for the fans over the next few years. Yep, and I, I had some feedback, too. I don't know how often you fill them out, but you know, that we do know for a fact that they, they do read the, uh, the game day surveys. Um, I had some stuff that I needed to point out this week that I wasn't very happy about. And I, I hopefully they'll make some modifications where it will be able to become better. That that's the thing. And speaking of which, which is our last topic for the uh, for this week, is that the Alouettes sent out their their yearly. I'll say it is it's their yearly uh, survey based off of uh, entire yearly experience. Even though we haven't reached the end of the year yet, um, but the most important thing that I think that really stood out, Cliff was how they asked about what days and what times we as fans prefer going to Percival Molson uh, to see the Owls play. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned to you, it, usually in years past that they broke it up where it was like, what days do you prefer and what times do you prefer? Right. And as far as I remember, I think this is the very first time that they've actually broken it up into three separate questions where – what day and time do you want for uh, games in May and June? What day and uh, day and day and time do you want for games in July and August? And then what day again? And same thing, same question for uh, for September, October, November. <clears throat> it was interesting. It was very interesting to I, I, and I, I don't know if it's and obviously based off of what you know the results from the fans. And the results uh, of what they can get from TSN and from the league, it'll determine mm-hmm. and McGill and the McGill schedule too for for the Redbirds and for soccer, you know, for football, for soccer, et cetera. What else they, whatever else they play there. Mm-hmm. But I was I was quite intrigued because we've talked about it this year about when it comes to days and times. You know how we I've always felt, and I know how the teams feels about this, but I've always felt that, you know, for this for the Alouettes to have the the most Thursday games at home. Since their return to '96 speaks volume, but also it you know sometimes you do need to think outside of the box. I think the Owls have done that this year, or been allowed to do that this year with the two afternoon Saturday games, early afternoon or late late afternoon Saturday games. What what were your thoughts? I mean, did you from what you saw in that particular part of the survey, did anything really stand out about the days and times that they had suggested? Uh, not really, other than it's the usual stuff, and it kind of comes back to. Is this their way of trying to justify having all so many Thursday games? Because let's face it, the Alouettes have been, <laughs> I call them the kings of Thursday night, because whether it's at Percival Wilson Stadium or even on the road, it seems like it's Thursday, 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 Thursday for the Alouettes. Like, and I'm sure a lot of people love that. I'm sure a lot of people would love to be able to watch the Alouettes on Thursday and then have their weekends free, so to speak. Like, If they're not interested in watching other football games, then it's not like they have to plan their weekend around the Alouettes, so to speak. They can just watch on Thursday night and be done with it, win or lose. That being said, though, there has been a lot of groundswell of support for the Saturday afternoon games and even Sunday afternoon games, which, again, the Alouettes have played Sunday afternoon games before, but it was usually after Labor Day, which competes with the NFL. Mm -hmm. So now the idea is, okay, what about playing uh, like 
in July or August having those games, like having Sunday afternoon games or Sunday evening games even, because there, yeah, there is no NFL in July and August. Would fans be open to that? And I think a lot of fans would be because TSN's ratings for the couple of games they have played on Sunday afternoon, not with the Alouettes, mind you, but with other teams, the ratings have actually been pretty decent. Like there's definitely an appetite for it. There's, there's definitely people that would be interested. And again, a lot of people do associate football with Sundays. So it, it makes complete sense as far as I'm concerned. So I think that's something that the Alouettes should really be exploring more and more. I, don't, I think maybe once in the past 10 years, I, I remember going to Personal Molson for a Sunday game. I, I mean, it's and it was well attended. So I mean, I don't think the attendance was actually the issue, especially too when you, you're still getting crowds of like fifteen thousand for a Friday night game, which uh, supposedly is something that they've tried very hard was to have Friday night games in order to get fans excited, get the weekend started, blah blah blah. But then when you got the Thursday night games that are outdrawing Friday night games. I can understand why their thought is, well, then obviously fans want from Thursday night games. Like, well, yes and no. I mean, listen, I personally will watch football any day of the week. Mm -hmm. That's not to say, though, you should be scheduling games on like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, for example. But I definitely think if you really, truly want to get fans in the stadium, if you want that 21,000 that we had against Hamilton, which was a Saturday afternoon I think truly that was the way to go. I, I think ideally the Elwich should be looking to schedule more of these games, less less Thursday games, more weekend games. Yep. And the last, by the way, the last uh, home Saturday, Sunday game was during the, uh, during the uh, 2018 season. And I think that's when the league got away from the Sunday games. It was in 2019. Right. Because again, like the, the thought is you don't want to compete with the NFL. So that's why like the, that's why they were doing away with the games on Sundays after Labor Day. Okay, I get that, and I appreciate that. Mind you, though, we always seem to have decent crowds on those Sunday afternoon games at Percival Molson, so I, I, I don't know what what to make of that. I think at the end of the day, if you want to go see a football game, you're going to go see a football game regardless of what day it's played on. Right. But That's... there are a lot of outstanding factors as well as far as uh, people coming in from out of town. Like if you're in this, If you're already on the island of Montreal, it's not so much of a challenge, but if you're coming from outside and let's face it, there's a lot of people outside of the Montreal area that are Alouettes fans and would love to go see a game. But logistically, it's just not possible to come in for that Thursday night game because otherwise you're going to have to take mm-hmm. off basically Thursday and Friday for the just to be able to attend one of those games. Exactly. And by the way, that's why I think this the, the last uh, I know it's later in the season, but the the game versus Toronto, I think that's this, the home finale. Um, mm-hmm. which has now been also, uh, we've now confirmed it is going to be the Tackle hunger, hunger Game. That crowd needs to be, that, that'll be a good gauge. That'll be a good gauge for a Saturday afternoon game, no matter when the game is being played. Yeah, like, in fact, there is a Monday afternoon game, which is the Thanksgiving Day game. I mean, that will be well attended. It usually is. So, I mean, that, that one's almost a non-starter. But mm-hmm. yes, I think this Saturday game against the, the Argos, I think that has to be, more or less the benchmark. And I think if people really, truly want the Alouettes to schedule games more on the weekends, then you got to show up for this game. Like that way you can go back and say, listen, that Hamilton game in, in August was well, very well attended. It was an amazing atmosphere. If you can replicate that in late October against the Argos, get 21,000 in there, get it loud, get it exciting, regardless of what the weather's going to be like. I'm sure it'll be a little cooler. It won't be blazing hot like it was in August, but if you can still, make for a very exciting atmosphere for that late October game Mm -hmm. just to really help sell the idea that, okay, you know what? This is what fans want. I mean, yeah, Thursday games are okay, but at the same time, there's so it could be so much better, but again, it really does come down to numbers. Like if you can get 17,000 for a Thursday night game and only 15,000 for a Friday night or even a Saturday game, then it's understandable why the team's going to say, well, you know what? Maybe this just shows that fans really do prefer Thursday night games at home, which again, if you're living on the uh, Montreal, it's great for you. It's not so much of travel, but if you're trying to attract fans from outside of the Montreal area, and that's including like uh, opposing teams having their fans come into the game as well. I mean, it comes yep. back to the same idea that you're basically taking two days off to be able to go attend one game. Yeah. And at what point are you going to say, like, at what point can you justify that with everything that's going on in the world right now? That's, this is what the, the, they always have to consider when it comes to, the attendance, like what market are they looking for? Are they looking for the local market or are they looking for everybody? Mm-hmm. So this is, these are, these are questions that have to be answered. And I guess uh, 
I, I don't know when they're going to publish the results of these uh, surveys, if they are. And really, this is what it comes down to is starting to see where fans want to be. Like, do they really, truly want these Thursday night games or do they want games on the weekend? So it really comes down to like the they say numbers don't lie. So let's let's see what the numbers are going to be for these Saturday games and whatnot. And see where it goes yep well we'll see by the way just and before we it just happened to see this now uh in the uh, uh in the conversation today with danny machocha over on tsn 690 uh then our gm announced or said quote i've circled edmonton as the potential date where william stanbeck can possibly play or it could be the following week Ooh, i mean that's huge considering the injury he suffered in week one yeah for him to come back and uh, actually if you go to his instagram too You'll see him like doing his rehab. I mean, he's looking good. He's looking good. I mean, now he's also too not walking in a boot. He doesn't have his uh, little scooter. His mm-hmm, uh, little mm-hmm. feel like that. So I mean, if he's and he was chomping at the bit uh, the last uh, practice that I showed up uh, at Labor Day, the Labor Day practice at uh, at the big at the Big O. He was chomping at the bit. He just wanted to play. He just wants to play, and we want him to play. I mean, that, that, that's not a knock at all on Walter Fletcher or Jeshwin Antwi, None. but. Imagine gearing up for a playoff run, and as it stands right now, the Alouettes are in a playoff run, potentially. Mm-hmm. If you can get back William Stanback, and if he can get back to where he w- was supposed to be, because let's not forget, a lot of people were expecting him to be leading the league in rushing this year. If we can just get him back for those for that, that last little bit to help and get into the playoffs with a healthy William Stanback, man, that's going to be exciting. Yeah, exactly. That definitely gonna be, that'll be a relief, I think, for this team. To be able to count on 31 again. Exactly. Uh, again, no game this week, but if you do happen to show up on Sunday to the uh, season ticket holders day, uh, hey, just come over and say hey to us. Uh, we'd be more than happy to talk to our fans and uh, to talk about the Alouettes. So uh, yep. hope, hope to see you there. And Cliff, I know I'll see you there, my friend. So, But we'll be back next week to talk about the upcoming matchup versus the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So for everybody here at the Alouettes Fight Deck for a Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. Run final approach. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.